Welcome to episode 149. Everybody's wondering what is next for this season of ministry. Today we're joined by Stan Ott, founder of Leading Moments, and he's talking about his idea of pod church. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 149 of The Reclaimed Leader, equipping churches for turnaround change. I'm Jason Tucker. Uh, Jesse is still away on vacation because he is a bum. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll, we'll, <laughs> let, we'll let him have his have his fun uh, being away and being on vacation. But I'm really excited to be here with Stan Ott. Stan is a friend of The Reclaimed Leader, a friend of the podcast, and he's been on before. He's the founder of Leading Moments uh, that is all about building one another. Uh, in fact, that's the name of his podcast, Building One Another. And the idea is to grow the soul care and leadership capacity of pastors and church leaders through learning, leading, and reflecting. Welcome back to the podcast, Stan Ott. It is just delightful to be with you, Jason, Miss uh, Jesse, and I'm a little jealous of him, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We won't hold it against him for too long. We'll just talk behind his back a little bit. Building one another. That's what we're about here at the Reclaim Leader. So um, anyway, Stan, I'm really glad you were able to come on the podcast. Uh, Stan has really just developed some language around and some ideas around what is this next thing for the season of ministry that we're in? Because that's the thing that's on every pastor's mind. I know for us here at Tower Hill, we're right in the thick of not just figuring out what's next, but what's next next, because it seems like all of our strategies are moving targets right now as we try to navigate what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and infections and state regulations, recommendations and requirements. And what does that mean for the church? How do we navigate community all of those things. And I think your resources are just so perfectly time stand. And uh, so how did you start thinking about, so it's called Pod Church. Where did you start getting this idea of kind of fleshing out some possibility of what's next? Well, just being a part of and watching the, the church scene now since the pandemic really took hold, you know, sort of Tailing off of what you just said, so many pastors and church leaders uh, sort of oscillate between exhaustion and exhilaration. Figuring out how to do a sustained online worship service, then all of a sudden, how do I keep doing that? But should we do in person? Well, what what are the guidelines for that? Uh, Some of our people are thrilled. Some are less thrilled with every option. Uh, So that's been so consuming in the emotional and physical energies of our church leaders. And then sort of meanwhile, uh, I began to worry about the uh, loss of connection and isolation of people. Uh, I think of a person down the street who's been diagnosed with uh, a returning cancer, a delightful person, but, but he's not about to show up anywhere right now. 
And I I think about uh, some people I know who are church shopping. Well, all of a sudden they can't, they can't visit anywhere. They can watch the online service, but they don't know anybody. They don't know how to know anybody. Uh, A second thing that began to really concern me is um, I know a large congregation in Virginia that did a poll of a ton of people they found that their over 40-year-olds were remaining committed to the online worship experience, even though they weren't ready to go in person because of physical concerns. But their under 40-year-olds generally, uh, to be really polite about it, are finding online worship a little boring, uh, and they've got kids running around. I... uh, I mean, I think about my own kids and their kids. Sunday morning isn't like, let's all sit in a row and watch somebody sing a hymn or five worship songs in a row and then preach a sermon where there's no illustrations or stories. And it's like, okay. So I just began to to worry about this. And it seems to me real fast, five needs began to emerge, or probably more than that, but I'm I'm not smart enough to think more than five. <laughs> uh, the the issue of connection from isolation to supportive fellowship. Uh, secondly, the issue of attrition, the, the slow loss of people, maybe not our core people, but we all have a lot of people who are sort of apart, but not, you know, And the third issue, uh, the old term would be entry points. So uh, my wife and I have been church visiting for a while. We think we have found a wonderful place, but how do you you get to know a soul? I mean, you're watching an online, some churches are on Facebook and there's a little bit of interaction going on, but you don't know anybody. Uh, The fourth issue, discipleship. I mean, it's fine to watch an online service, but is it gripping my soul? And I don't mean that some don't and some preachers don't, but how do we really help people grow spiritually? And, and then lastly, um, the Christian faith is about growing and sending. So how do we actually deploy our people we keep talking about the gathered state and the scattered state. Well, we're all in the scattered state, fine. But are you really representing the Lord you love in your home, in your place of employment, however you do that, and your neighbors? Uh, and so, like, how? And, and what I got to thinking about, uh, Jason, is that in the last many years, there have been a number of movements that have addressed most of these issues, Uh, small group movement, growth group movement, covenant church movement, micro church movement, all of those movements are fundamentally similar. It's just that if we were to say the key to overcoming the loss of relationship and attrition uh, are small groups, people would say, well, we've been there. Yeah, We, we did that. It's on our website. It's on the fourth tab down. And so I began to think we partly need a rebranding. We we partly just need different words. 
And I began to use the word pod because the word pod is being used in some pandemic circles. Uh, Parents creating a pod of similar hygiene level people to help their kids through school and so on. And uh, it's not the end all word and people may have concepts and words they prefer. And I don't think it's important. Uh, But I settled on pod just as an illustration. And so the website pod-church.com was put together just to offer free ideas. Uh, There's nothing in this website for sale. It's just, here's a whole bunch of ways to make this happen if you really want it to happen. And and it's kind of up to people to decide what they want to do and what they don't want to do. But the great irony is Jesus modeled pods. He had a pod of 12 and he had not only Peter, James and John, but Mary, Joanna and Susanna and Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus spent his time in small face to face groups. So if somebody tells me, well, I'm on a Zoom group with 70 people. I'm actually in a group like that, and we love the teacher, fine. And when the teacher's done, we all go home. That's not a pod. Right. If if we were to go from that group to smaller groups so we could be face-to-face, I could know you by name. I could pray for you, you for me. We could be in Scripture together. We would grow together, be a whole different experience. So anyway, I, I could keep going, but that's sort yeah, of yeah. No, no, this is life. this is so good, and we're going to unpack kind of what what this means and what a pod church, some ideas about what that may look like. But I think it's important to acknowledge a couple of really important things that you had talked about, and that's the reality that we're seeing. It's it's such a shifting one. So when we at our church. For example, we, we were not live streaming services prior to the pandemic. It's, it was a, a bridge we had built, but we had not yet crossed. And then we had to cross it. <clears throat> and at first, everybody was just delighted to have the church online because that it was our only option. And I would say our most engaged demographic in the life of the church prior to the pandemic was our young family. So Parents between 35 and 45 with young children in the house, most engaged demographic. And at first, they were sitting on the sofa together and making a thing of it. You know, we were ramping up toward Easter. And so there was, it felt like an event. I learned later, once we got towards after between Mother's Day and Memorial Day, we saw a big shift happen. People stopped watching. And, you know, just from my own family's perspective, we were tired of being inside. The weather was getting warm. The kids were so burnt out on school online. Everyone's just like, we, we have Zoom fatigue. We got to go live our lives and feel anything but what we're feeling now. And even our most engaged young families stop watching completely. Mm-hmm. And it was a signal for us of a couple of things. One is, is our online experience, is it still making sense? Yep. And what we discovered was, so the old thinking is take whatever you do in person, throw a camera on it and put that online. Not so much. People's attention spans aren't the same. People's level of engagement isn't the same. So we ended up changing 
our online service quite a bit. And what I've noticed in churches, especially like the out in front churches, like the North Point community churches and Crossroads in Cincinnati and all these big, big mega churches, is they've led the way on what I would call episodic online worship, where it feels like an episode of a topic more than a, a replication of what you're doing in person. And it makes a lot of sense, but it's a different animal. And so once once we're kind of figuring out that engagement, it helped, but we also knew in listening to our young families, they were craving that community. Yep. And if we can't figure out how to do community during this time, we're going to lose them. And we're probably have already lost many who are on the fringes. Well, and that's exactly uh, the concern that the congregation I, I heard about uh, yesterday uh, about their 40-year-old roughly and younger families, plus or minus, uh, if people don't get connected personally, and by personally, I mean we know each other's names, we know what's going on. Uh, my daughter is in a neighborhood where like six or eight neighboring families sit in a backyard in a giant socially distant circle and they have worship. Well, it's not sponsored by any church. It's just a family of initiative, but very cool. But it means the adults know each other, the kids have a sense and and they're all watching all the uh, guidelines about masking and all the stuff. At least some are and some aren't. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, I've begun to say to people, the second they tell me they have Zoom fatigue, and I say it with a smile, but I say, you need to get over saying that. Yeah, It's really not funny anymore. In our day, For many of us, whether the online platform is Zoom or WebEx or some other platform, uh, that's the way that we've been given. And if you can physically pull it off and be in a backyard or whatever, uh, that's great. Absolutely. But it's time to be a little more grown up about some of the things that aren't convenient to us. But if we don't help people navigate the tech, then how in the world are we going to get them together? Yeah. And and you, you have to think, I mean, I can't help but think of companies like Peloton who made a jillion dollars during this. But, but think about what they offer. They offer a hybrid model that creates community, accountability, inspiration, and yet it's tethered to a physical activity and experience that you participate in. And I'm thinking, what's the Peloton of the church going to be? What is that going to look like to have this hybrid way of doing things? And I think one of the answers is, you know, could very well be an idea of this pod style church that offers kind of both because we've seen community work online, but it, it also has its ceiling. Like it has its limits. You need both people need and are craving that physical interaction as well. And so I thought maybe, why don't we dive into you know, some of the ideas of what, what this pod church perhaps movement might look like, what might it look like for folks to gather in these pods? And 
you know, is it very similar to small groups? Yes. It's not exactly the same though. So I thought maybe you just take a few moments and just kind of unpack some of your ideas around this. Cause I think they're really good. Well, there's, there are a lot of, of simple and a variety of how to's you might say, uh, if you think of a pod is a, uh, a life sustaining vessel, uh, like a pea pod or a spacecraft pod, it sustains the life within it and then sends whatever is in it to serve in the way. So, uh, for example, after a worship service, it, it is not technically difficult to immediately move people to groups from three uh, we think three to 14. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard to have a smaller group than two. Uh, Greg Ogden, who does such great work with his book, Discipleship Essentials, loves the microgroup concept of three to five. That's a good pod. Uh, I believe up to 14 works. But there is a point around 12 to 14 where people won't speak, even though they could. And a, a pod is a face-to-face group defined by every one of us feels comfortable speaking. So if I get larger, we get larger than, say, 14, uh, then we want to have subpods. Uh, the word divide is a difficult word because people start loving each other. And if I'm in a group of 15 people, we all love each other. There's no way you're going to get us to split in half. Well, actually that's a very productive thing, but if we're not willing to, when it's time to share our lives and pray for each other, then let's go into sub pods because it's essential that we all feel free to speak And that one person doesn't say, well, I'm just going to quick pray for everybody. I'm going to quick summarize. No, we all need the opportunity. Not not everybody will take it. So pods can be after worship. Pods could, after that, be any time of of the week that a group of three to 14 people can commit to be together. I'm in a guest. uh, I'm a guest in a home right now. And this morning at 630, uh, I asked uh, the wife of my friend here where Dick was. Well, he's he's meeting with his group. And he was on Zoom with 12 guys from all over the state of Virginia and one in Texas. And what they do is a pattern that we call word share prayer. Time in scripture, time sharing. How are you, Jason? How am I? What's happening? And then time in prayer. And that people like to uh, maybe have a Bible study and it's just all word or just a sharing group and it's all blah, 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 or a pure prayer group. And we're saying, no, no, no. There's something about a holy balance of all three. If I only have 20 minutes in my pod, we're going to spend seven minutes on each part. But if we have 45 minutes, We can spend 20 minutes in Bible study. And by the way, if that's after church, after worship, don't be hashing the pastor sermon, but be asking, how does the text that the pastor preached on speak to you? So everybody talks about scripture. And by the way, then, how are you? How am I? For another 15 minutes. And we pray for each other for 10. 
word share prayer sounds simple, but I, I know for a fact that hundreds and hundreds of pod-like groups have used that, that word share prayer pattern, and it's been really fruitful. Yeah. And, you know, it's good to have a pod leader to kind of keep it on schedule. It's time to switch from Bible study to sharing. It's time to switch to praying because people would just talk forever if somebody doesn't. But the leader doesn't require intense training. Uh, The little website pod-church.com offers a whole bunch of simple how-tos for leaders. that sort of thing, Jason, is is what we're talking about. And we say, well, where does the pod meet? And we put it this way, six feet apart in a room or time online using Zoom or in a park or in the yard where social distancing isn't hard. It's, uh, <laughs> it's basically Dr. Zeus meets the it. pod <laughs> church. You know, what we're saying to people is that, the pastor and the church don't have to solve every problem, but have the will to get together. Yeah. And and what I would say, uh, one PS that's huge, pastors really are working so extra hard right now because of the online and in-person worship demands. I feel the key to the pod church concept, uh, is finding relational persuader leaders, people in your congregation who are with you as a pastor, if you're the pastor, but they're good at talking people into saying, yeah, they have relational, so they're not going to drive over you or me. And we would say offer, uh, offer some pods that just go seven weeks. Let people get their toe in the water. Yeah. So it's not like if I join this, I'm like, I'm never <laughs> going to get out of it. And what if I don't like the people? No, go seven weeks. And we'd say to a leader after seven weeks, talk to the people personally. Is it going well? And if people like it, well, they keep going. But it's, it's, it's going to be like that time I volunteered for something and I'm doing it 14 years later, you know? Oh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the fear, right? I'm still well, doing know, the my, pancake breakfast. My, my first job in the church, <laughs> I was put in charge of running a Sunday school in a very big church. And I began to ask people if they would be a Sunday school teacher. I went through the entire membership list from Adams to Zachariah. <laughs> and people said, no, no. So I began to finally said, well, why? They all thought it was a lifetime commitment. Yeah. And in those days, it kind of was. Nowadays, different world, different patterns, different approaches, no. But a pod that that is ongoing is wonderful. Uh, I'm in a a group with some people that have met. We've met now for three years. The pod is, we know each other deeply. But if I was uncertain about a pod, then let me try it for seven weeks. And there is, there is no bet, all bets are off. After seven weeks, I can freely stop. Or I can re-up for another seven and the pod can keep going. There's a kind of a holy freedom about that. I like I like the flexibility of it too, because I think 
my observation when it comes to small groups prior to the pandemic is that it seems like everybody gets enamored with the model, but they get so stuck in it sometimes that if it's not working, they kind of don't know what to do. And I feel like this, the whole pod church way of thinking, I think is very freeing in the fact of, Hey, you know, if your folks are comfortable what if you mix it up? What if you have a gathering at the park to kick things off and then you do a couple of weeks of Zoom and then you come back and gather at someone's house? And I think it it feels to me like it fits more within the context of the flow of life. And it can be whatever it needs to be as long as you're doing the word share prayer and you have that manageable group of people. And I think it's just an encouragement for churches to experiment but not to wait for the perfect post-pandemic small group plan, right? That some huge church is going to roll out and I'm going to buy for $149.95. Exactly. And, you know, like just start doing something that makes sense with some people. Doesn't have to be the whole church at once. I love that. I just feel like it's a very, um, a very freeing way of thinking about it. It doesn't have to look one particular way or another. Uh, one of the great teachers in my life, Chuck Miller, used to talk about having a holy flexibility. Yeah. It's which I sounds, it's what you're talking about. Uh, that's why this little website on pod-church.com, it's just ideas. It's not a package for sale. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's very doable. Uh, because in my uh, my other work, working with hundreds of churches for a long, long time, and doing this kind of work, I it, it's already been field tested. There's nothing in this website that's a gee, it might be a good idea to try. No. <laughs> this will work. And you know something that's very interesting to me. Uh, when I was a young pastor. Uh, Worship Sunday morning was called the front door to the church. And almost all uh, visitors and guests came through the front door, attended worship, and at some point said, I'm going to try the women's circle. I'm going to try the men's breakfast. I'm going to see if my kids. Uh, But then we shifted and we moved into a period of maybe 30 years where More people came in through the side door. They would go to the women's ministry first, and then they start to attend worship. Somebody would take them to a a youth experience, and then they would. And so side door was the way. But all of a sudden, because of the online reality, Sunday morning is the front door again. Hmm. So I've been watching, Jason, all of these services and looking at websites, and I've realized very few of them are spending any time seeking to persuade me and invite me into some kind of a connective pod. But unless I'm invited and persuaded, and by persuaded, I mean, I got kids running around, I'm busy, I'm a little annoyed with life because of the pandemic. So talk me into it a little bit. If that's not done in the Sunday morning moment, then how's this, how's it going to happen? Yeah, it's not going to be the emails that people get. Emails are informational. 
but they're not persuasive, persuasive, persuasional, I guess. Is that a word even? Uh, Sounds the, like same, the same as with websites. I went to a whole bunch of church websites and said, does the homepage invite and persuade and give me an option into a face-to-face experience? Actually, Tower Hill, you do. Uh, and uh, oh, Jesse's you. Right. <laughs> so, whew, well, I wouldn't have sweating that one out. I wouldn't have even. <laughs> but the vast majority of church websites, only the homepage, which has the new information on how to do worship, the whole rest of the website is pre-pandemic. Is so the, the the men's breakfast meet Saturday morning at seven thirty at this restaurant, and the women's circles all meet and you know call so and so. None of them are meeting, or if they are meeting, you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, and so we're saying not only do we need to create the pod opportunities for people, just groups of three to 14 that do word share prayer, but we have to have a little persuasion and how to do it, how to sign up. Uh, and nowadays, if you say call Jim or call Janice, Nobody, no, nobody, I mean, be nice about this. Nobody's going to do it. You have to make it online and make it easy. Yeah. I wish it was different than that. People say, well, my people aren't that tech. I know, but that's how people are today. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a really good point. And also to a point that you made earlier about discipleship, like your online service, I mean, you're, Physical worship service isn't going to do that whole trick. And we forget that Jesus's call to come is tethered to an invitation and a requirement to learn how to fish for people. Like it is his, you, you don't have one without the other. And the mission of the church to engage people into a deeper relationship with Jesus for the sake of the growing his kingdom and reaching others is the piece that gets lost when folks put all their eggs in the Sunday morning basket. But even even so much more, when people are giving you less time, you know, it used to be, uh, well, they'll come and they'll give you an hour to sit and worship, but they won't do a Sunday school or they won't do a Bible study. Now, what's that mean now? It's like, they'll give you 18 minutes of a sermon, but then they're probably going to bail. They might only give you 10 minutes of the sermon, to be honest. And then they're going to bail if they feel like they got a good point and they're ready to move on. You have even less time for that kind of engagement. You know, so what does it look like now? Just the importance of that word share prayer model is huge. Well, there's such a difference between me listening to somebody speaking. And I love preaching and I'm a preacher. I'm not. But online versus being in an interactive group. And while God has gifted uh, some preachers with the marvelous ability to reach into your mind and your heart and so grip you that you forget to breathe, that's a true gift that some of our people have. But for many of us, we're kind of normal people and we're doing our level best and we're preaching scripture. but I'm sitting in my living room now. I have a little laptop open. My coffee gets empty. 
it's more tempting, I mean respect, to go get more coffee than to hear the next sermon point. That's sort of going, and if I have kids running through the room. Uh, one of the things we put onto the, the little website, pod-church.com, is a resource tab a variety of like, here's for a pod that wants to meet for a whole year in intense worship. I mean, discipleship, get the book, discipleship essentials or something else. Uh, here's a seven week option. Uh, here's something. If you are Presbyterian or Methodist or uh, Lutheran. And of course we would say to any pastor, offer your people discipleship or, or, scripture-centered materials that are compatible with your theological approach, your denominational approach, if you're in a denomination, or your church's theological understanding. So just because there's a list of resources on a website, if they don't appeal to you, they're just a symbol that some people can just study the book of Philippians for 20 minutes and share lives, and it's great. But others need a, a more structured uh, bit of material. And frankly, uh, I listed like uh, your wonderful podcast, The Reclaimed Leader, the Building One Another podcast. A pod can listen to a podcast for 20 minutes and talk about it. Yeah. And then share lives. Uh, oh, what's that wonderful media uh, source, uh, right? Right now, media. Right know. now, media. You know they have they have twenty bazillion videos, yeah. but it's excellent. Recommend just two or three to people. Don't make them go find material. It's just too complicated. Who has the time? Yeah. Here, here's a great seven week study video or book downloadable on Philippians, and I say Philippians symbolically because it's a. It's a how do I live life in the midst of a rough moment with joy? It's a great book. Yeah. I mean, if you want to study with uh, Second Chronicles, have at it. It's great. But <laughs> well, it's you know, it's funny because um, as you're, I, and what I'm hoping is happening with pastors too is that as you're talking about this, I'm getting all these ideas because I remember we did in our men's group not too long ago. We we hadn't found a curriculum that we wanted to jump into. And, and uh, so we're sort of in an in-between place. And this is a group that has been a word share prayer group that has grown very close over time. And it's a lot of guys, um, but they don't, they're not always at every one. So we give a lot of flexibility to if you could come great, if you can't, no problem. And it's every other week. But, um, but we, all we did was we listened to a couple of Ted talks that uh. weren't, to do necessarily with anything spiritual, but then we, we sort of ask the question, what does this have to do with faith or church or parenting or, and it, and it, we leveraged it for something spiritual and it cost nothing. It took a little research, but it was honestly just guys who watched a couple interesting Ted talks and wanted to share them. And we had great conversations that led to really good sharing and praying. So I, I just think there's so many, possibilities. And I don't think it means you have to go spend money on a bunch of curriculum either, you know? No. And I would simply say, if you're a group was to study a TED talk and we want to grow from a disciple view is how do we, how do we complement it 
with uh, scripture or other kinds of yeah. material, but absolutely because it's touching people where they actually are. Uh, the, the teacher of mine, Chuck Miller, I mentioned, uh, used to talk about the difference between the spoke church and the network church. And at first I didn't understand that, but he said, you know, there are congregations where the preacher is just such a brilliant communicator that very large crowds come and they, they don't know each other, but they love the preacher. If the preacher leaves, there's no real reason to stick around. Whereas in a network church, people have all these, these horizontal friendships and if the preacher leaves, well, okay, uh, we love Janice. She was wonderful. We're going to miss Bill. But I'm here because of the network. W what's happened is we have gone almost completely to a, a spoke church Sunday morning by our online worship, where the, the church is the hub, the, the worship service. And why the pod concept is so huge is it is at least one way to really get a new network going. And without us thinking about the old network and a new network, then the attrition reality is going to, is going to be there. Yeah. Well, this is great, Stan. I think this is really helpful. I, I want folks to find your podcast, right? So buildingoneanother.com. Is that yes. correct? That's and correct. they can listen. I, I saw you've got like 60 episodes already. I mean, that's, you're, you're moving quick. Well, uh, actually, uh, and, and you and Jesse were hugely inspirational because Lee Zemer, who's my partner in this particular craziness, had been beating me up for about five years. And of course, no. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting concept uh, that has really affected me. It's called transferable concepts. How do you package core Christian ideas in a way that I could share them with you and you could share them with somebody and they could share them with somebody and five sharings down the road, it hasn't lost depth. And so sort of our theory of podcast has been to try to podcast transferable concepts that people could pass down. So it's a slightly different uh, focus Whereas Reclaim Leader is just absolutely fabulous for those trying to help a congregation uh, move into a vital track and stay there. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, that, that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, <laughs> we're hoping we're, that we're, we're able hitting. to help, help yeah, folks. <laughs> and, and people should know I'm getting paid nothing to say this. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's true, true. My nose is not grown. It's all, all good. And, uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Stan. And uh, folks, please check out buildingoneanother.com. And it's pod-church.com, right? Is that correct? Correct. A lot of great ideas on there and, and hope that this, that this all helps. And again, blessings on you and your ministry, Stan. I so appreciate your time and uh, for the chance to have you back on here. And may God bless you as you are a house guest uh, hanging out, you know. Exactly. Having a suffering ball. for Jesus, as you said. That's right. <laughs> All, right. All right. Take Good care. Good to be with you. Yeah. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.